I am the Lord your God who grasp your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I will help you. The words that come today from the prophet Isaiah is that the Lord is turning to us just like he has turned to the people of Israel. He's turning to us and is promising that he is with us. I will help you, turn to me. And then this, the, the imagery here that comes from Isaiah, and this Lord says, I will help you, says the Lord, your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, the Redeemer, the one, the saving, the Savior, the Redeemer, the one who is capable of doing extraordinary things for you. He can buy you back, he restore you. He's the one, and he's the one who promises. And then, the Isaiah speaks to 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 uh, use speaks the words of God to his people and says, "I'll make you, I'll make of you a threshing sledge, sharp, new, and double-edged, to thresh the mountains and crush them, to make the hills like chaff." In other words, the Lord says, "There's so many hills in front of you that you cannot climb, you cannot go over. There's so many stumbling blocks. There's so many things that are blocking you from greater trust." from being able to return to the promised land. These things are in front of you, but I will make of you a threshing sledge, meaning some, uh, 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 an instrument to, to, to tear the, 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 the mountains apart. Sometimes when I drive, I see some of the, you know, the, you know I don't know what's contemporary called, but it's like a threshing sledge when you see see this huge heavy equipment and breaking these boulders apart, making into a small stones, you know, for roads and everything else. We see that. I'm always amazed at the fact there's this huge mountain, a solid mountain, and being able to be crushed. And this is the image that, that Isaiah gives to the people so that they will not be discouraged. I will make of you that which it's impossible for human beings to become, and yet I'll make of you, and I'll remove those stumbling blocks from you, from your faith. I'll remove the, the stumbling blocks of violence, I'll remove the stumbling blocks of anything that will separate you from me. That's, don't be afraid. Because, and then you will not only crush them like a chaff, but then you winnow them, the wind shall carry them off, and the storm shall scatter them. It means those things, those stumbling blocks will no longer affect you. They'll be scattered, they'll be thrown all over. But there's a, another aspect which the Lord says to, through Isaiah to us, the afflicted and needy seek water in vain. Their tongues are parched with thirst. Once again, the concept of, of being in a desert, a desert, no water, no way to, to find life-giving water and the people are thirsty, they're dying of thirst. Once again, the Lord says, I, the God of Israel, will not forsake you. I will open up rivers on the bare heights and the mountain fountains in the broad valleys. I will turn the desert into a marshland and the dry land into springs of water. I will give you that which you require, the thirst that you have. Water is powerful imagery. Well, what do we thirst for? Justice, do we thirst for mercy? Do we thirst for peace? 
Do we thirst for reconciliation within our families? Do we thirst for reconciliation with those who have harmed us and we're not able to do so? What do we thirst for? Peace of our, you know, within our heart or freedom from trappings, freedom from, from uh, addictions, freedoms from inability to share with someone else and that we're not able to even speak with them. Whatever it may be, the thirst, the longing. And once again, the Lord says, I will, I will respond to you. I will open up rivers, it means living waters, that which sustains life to you, even on bare mountains where it seems like there's nothing or in the desert. Again, the power of grace, the power of God's love, the power that God wishes to share with us should convince us that he loves us, should convince us that he is the one who wants us to our best. And you know, and the, 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 the important thing is today, when we look at our, our, the world in which we live, how many have become so discouraged? How many suicides are there? How many are there who feel like, what's the use? You know, we, we are ready, ready over the barrel, the culture in which we live, the things which seem to be attacking us from every direction, the families which are in danger of losing faith, losing love for God, losing the awareness and of the Eucharist, they no longer go and they no longer practice. What are those things which afflict us? And the Lord promises that even those most powerful you know, elements of our culture which seem to be just overbearing us, these are the mountains, these are the walls, which we need to remove. The Lord says, I'll be there, but you, what do we need to do is place our confidence in him. Fear not, I will help you. <clears throat> Fear not, I will help you. I think this is the, the most important thing that we can embrace because it restores hope in us. And once we have hope, then we can do many things because otherwise when somebody is depressed, somebody is really down, has no energy, they can't do a thing. They just don't have the energy. And the Lord says, I will do that. Remember yesterday, when the Lord says to us that even if, if, you, uh, if you are elderly, and he says, I will make you, you fly a soar with the wings of, a, of an eagle. You know, I, I, I remember, and this is when I mentioned I, Father Seraphim, who was in his 80s, seemed to be elderly. He had a spine that looked like a shape of an ass, ass uh, letter S. And, 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 and what happened is this, and yet he had all this extra energy. Where did it come from? The enthusiasm, the enthusiasm of someone who is young. Why? Because, you know, he embraced, allowed the Lord to be in his heart. Because, you know, for all of us as Christians, we know that the evil has already been overcome has already been overcome. Yes, in the meantime, we may have to suffer the injustices. We may have to suffer all these things, but we already have victory on our side. The Lord has overcome sin and death. So therefore, we have that freedom already. We have the confidence, but we have to attach ourselves to him. We have to become part of his body. We have to, we're invited to do so. And today, through the first reading, says, don't be afraid, fear not. Remember John Paul II, how frequently he says, do not be afraid, open wide, 
the doors of your heart, doors of your culture to Christ. He will not overwhelm you, but he will free you. He will give you gifts of love, of trust. He will give you the gifts of, of forgiveness. He will give you all the things that, that we as human beings are seeking. <clears throat> Today, in our gospel, Jesus speaks of St. John, St. John the Baptist. In a very brief words, he says, Amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist. Why is that? First, if we were to look at scripture, guess when? When he was six months old in the womb of Elizabeth, he already meets the Lord. He meets the Lord. And what happens? He le leaped for joy in the womb. A silent encounter with God. A silent encounter with, with, with the incarnate second, second person of the Holy Trinity and born as, as our Savior, Jesus. So there's an encounter there. Secondly, he has the privilege of pointing to Jesus. He is the one. Like all the prophets were saying, there will be a time when the, the Messiah will come. There will be a time when there will be a new kingdom will come. They speak of, in the Old Testament, speaking of the future. But the future has become present in John the Baptist. He's the one. Follow him. He's the one. He has come to renew us, not only as John says, not only the baptism of conversion through water, which John the Baptist was offering, but he will baptize you with the Spirit and the power, power of God. He'll baptize you with fire of the Holy Spirit, power of God for the forgiveness of sins. He's the one. And so it's John the Baptist who comes to know and then even from prison, he says, are you the one who's to come? And Jesus responds, yes, the blind can see, the deaf can hear, those who are in prison are free. Those in prisons of various types of prisons that we, we jail each other or our own passions jail us and we cannot be able to be freed. So he is the one, the, 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 his greater, there's no one greater. But then the Lord says, and yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. We are the ones. The least in the kingdom are greater than he. Why? How? How is it possible? Because we are part of the new kingdom of God. The kingdom of God brought by God himself as he initiated the, the, the gift of divine grace of love of becoming members of the body of God, body of Christ. Yes, John the Baptist was saved by the passion of Christ because Jesus, when he died and rose from the dead, he entered the netherworld and he brought all the souls who were faithful to him into his kingdom. So we know that. But John the Baptist was not able to receive the Lord in the Eucharist. And we are, we have the gift. We may not respect, we may not love him that much, but how is it the mystery of God becoming one of us and entering our very heart?
John the Baptist never received that. And yet we do. And the least, even children, who go to First Communion, they can receive God. Even if when they are not aware, and yet the reality is still there. The gift that God gives. But then the Lord says further, you know, in those couple sentences of the gospel, from the days of John the Baptist until now, so from the moment when Jesus, when John the Baptist points to Jesus, he's the one, from the moment that John the Baptist baptizes Jesus in the river. He says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent are taking it by force. What does it mean, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence? It's a struggle. Yes, God is giving us everything, and yet it's a struggle. We have to say no to our disordered passions. We have to say sometimes no to even our parents, our brothers, sisters, when we have to follow the Lord. We have to say no many times to those who threaten us with violence, even, even persecution. We have to say no to the fear, to whatever it may be that's binding us, and to say yes to God. We have to go against the very disorders that we have, which are consequences of the original sin. We have to say, no, I can't do it. I'm not able to, I can't. I cannot deny God, I cannot deny Christ. I have to say no to my, my, my passions of, of hate, of violence, of anything else. We have to say no. And so it is those who take the kingdom by force, meaning those who say yes to God no matter what no matter what. Because why? It's not because we want to be against our parents or our brothers, sisters, or whoever. Not because we want to go against the cultural trends. Not because we just want to be so different. No. It's because we know what's behind there. And what's behind is life of God, communion with God, future glory, everything there. That's what makes it. That's why it makes all these great early church martyrs. They knew. They knew, and today too. How many Christians in, 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 the, in the world, in the Middle East, have offered their life? How many other people who are willing to offer their lives to others? Because they know what's behind. What's behind is the gift of God. All the prophets and the law prophesied up to the time of John. And if you are willing to accept, he's Elijah, the one who is to come. Okay, the Lord says that John the Baptist is the last prophet in Malachi, book of Malachi, speak of, of Elijah, the last book of the Old Testament, of the, small, of the prophets. And the Lord says, John the Baptist closed the prophecy of the Old, Old Testament. And in John the Baptist, we have the, the one that closes, the, the, you know, the covenant, the Old Covenant, and establishing the New Covenant in the blood of Christ, every time we celebrate the Eucharist, we say, you know, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, of the eternal, the new and eternal covenant, established by Christ's blood, that, that the Lord has offered himself for the forgiveness of sins. We pray, you know, kind of listen to the words just before, just be, as we utter the words of consecration. It tells us why. It tells us why. And the Lord says, finally, whoever has ears to hear ought to hear. That means be open to the grace that flows from God's word. And today we honor St. John of the Cross. 
extraordinary person. By the way, his father was kind of well-to-do, but he married someone who was an orphan, poor orphan. <laughs> and so society at that time said, you know, mesalliance, you marry in the wrong direction. You should be marrying your, you ought to do, you should do, you know, pick up somebody from your own group. St. John of the Cross, father married someone who was not only below, but she was an orphan and she was very poor. And so the John was born and realized the, uh, that he wanted to be like his mom. <laughs> he didn't care. He couldn't pick up uh, a type of a, of a technical skills. He was not exactly too good. So what he did is he went to a Jesuit college, but trying to sort of work and help, he became a servant in a hospital. Eventually, he joined the Jesuits at the age of 21 and, and had realized that perhaps he was called to a more contemplative life. And, 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 uh, and, uh, and yet, uh, but he joined, he joined the Car Carmelites. But even when he was a Carmelite, after he was ordained priest, he felt that he wanted to go even deeper into contemplative life. He wanted to leave and go to Carthusians. Uh, and, um, but at that time, it was St. Teresa of Avila, uh, the great doctor of the church, great saint. She realized who he was. And so she invited him and asked him to help her in the reform of the Carmelite sisters. As you know, the Carmelite sisters right now, they have what is called the regular one and discuss Carmelites. And so she asked John to help her reform the community. And you, know, and you know, John's way of reforming was kind of unusual, you know, because at that time, many who were entering religious life, like Carmelite sisters, sometimes they were widows, and so they wanted to bring their servants to help them out and everything else. It wasn't exactly ideal religious community the way we imagined to be. And so she asked John to reform them, and John says, the way to start a reform is through inviting people to a deeper prayer. He says, once you begin and discover and love to pray, you'll reform yourself. Because God will speak to your heart and you'll adjust. You don't have to you know, be forced to change your life. You have to be forced to do something which you may not wish. But it's by prayer that God will lead you and it will deepen you and you'll begin to understand the various mysteries of God, his love, his mercy. You will discover how you are to relate to one another, how you are to carry one another's burdens, and all those things which are part and parcel of the, of the reform. And ultimately, because he joined the reform group, he also wanted to reform the brothers, the Carmelites, and he had to suffer quite a bit. Although the reform was approved by the Superior General of the Carmelites, Yet the people in, at that time in Spain were not happy at all. As a matter of fact, they threw him into jail for nine months. He was in this little tiny room that, that he couldn't even stretch his legs straight, and he was pretty short. And so, so uh, for nine months there, and God in that suffering, that rejection that he experienced, the, the great dark nights that he endured there, he began to question everything. He went through such a profound spiritual experience, dark nights of the soul, or dark nights of the spirit. That means he lost all sense of God, meaning, and everything else. 
And then he realized that in that darkness, the Lord opened his light to him. And we begin to experience, he began to experience that which we subsequently know from his writings, the dark night of his soul, the spiritual canticle, many other things that he, the living flame of love, all those things that he actually wrote. He wrote the poem first and then explanation, the profound explanation and theological explanation as to what exactly happened. And there's one thing that he says in a spiritual canticle, which today we read from our office of readings for the December 14th. And he speaks of God, of, of, he says that holy doctors have, you know, the spiritual doctors have uncovered many mysteries and wonders and devout souls have understood uh, them in this earthly condition and says, and yet the greater part still remains to be unfolded by them and even to be understood by them. Basically means that the mysteries hidden in Christ Jesus, the mysteries are not able for us to be grasped fully. No matter how profound the writers are, no matter how profound the spiritual guides are, they still are not able to fully grasp. And he says, and he says because there's more and more, it's like a treasure, it's like a, like a, a uh, like a mine, like a mine that has that is rich with pockets containing all kinds of minerals and everything else. He says, but it's even more. The depths, the the deeper we go into this darkness and suffering of Christ, the deeper is our understanding of who God is and His love. And it's the, 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 the suffering itself, the carrying of the cross, the meditation on the cross, actually deepens our understanding of how great God's love is and it, it transforms us, it makes us happy, makes us profoundly rich in everything that God has prepared for us. So he says, he says St. John says, would that man might come at last to see that it's quite impossible not only to reach the the thicket of the richness and wisdom of God, except by first entering this thicket of much suffering in such a way that the soul finds there is consolation and desire. The soul that longs for divine wisdom chooses first and in truth to enter the thicket of the cross, not to be afraid. Because as he says in quoting St. Paul, says in Ephesians, now to grow weary in the midst of tribulations, he, St. Paul urges the Ephesians not to grow weary in the midst of tribulations, but to be rooted and grounded in love so that they may know with all the saints the breadth, the length, the height and depth to know what is beyond knowledge, the love of Christ, as to be filled with all the fullness of God. And the, gate, and the gates to these riches are the gates of the cross. Today is Thursday of the second week, almost halfway through the Advent. And what we're invited to do is this, prepare ourselves, like, like St. John the, 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 the Baptist said, metanoia, to change your heart, change your life, repent, embrace the cross that you have, embrace all and come to know the depth and breadth of God's love for you, the, the, that which the Lord wants you to have by not only his coming 
uh, as we commemorate in a historical sense, but his coming in the Eucharist today and his second coming for which we prepare ourselves for the end of this world the way we know so that God's glory may come to transform this earth because that's the truth. The truth is God's love is here and God's love has come to us in Jesus and Jesus wants to unite us with the Father to divinize us. And that's the, that's the, the final moment of who we are, the final moment of our existence. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.